0: Hey, listeners, welcome to another episode of The Background Scoop. I'm your host, DJ Stavropoulos, part-time background actor here in Atlanta, Georgia. Thanks so much for tuning in. This episode is about the complexity and simplicity of making shows like MacGyver and the First Lady, about eavesdropping on famous people's conversations and researching them on Instagram or IMDb, about running into old friends and making new ones. Most of all, it's about meeting and connecting with people on the set. This is one of my favorite things about background acting it's like going to a party or a wedding. You can walk up to anyone and start a conversation because you already have something in common. At a wedding or party, you both know the host. On a film or TV set, you've both been thrown into something together, and you have that in common as a starting point. Not to mention what it leads to. What other work have they done? What's their role today? What is their real job? Where do they live? What's the most interesting acting role they've had? And so on. Every encounter you have with a person unlocks shared interests, stories, and an insight into something you might otherwise not have known. So they're like big weddings, and sometimes you're actually filming a wedding, so it all becomes even more wedding-like. For an introvert like me, it's given me the opportunity to hone my social skills. If you don't click with someone, you can excuse yourself or hope that someone else cut. You'll probably never see them again. For the very first time, I did a period piece that wasn't in the late 1800s or the 1940s or the 1950s. It was set in 1974 when I was a kid and so it brought back memories of my childhood in western Massachusetts. It's only fitting that it discuss kids on the set because although I'm not one anymore, I once was and they're all over these projects. They add an interesting element to the process. I can't imagine doing what I'm doing here as a nine-year-old. And then there's the moms. Finally to shave or not to shave, that is the question. I remember having an upper lip full of peach fuzz when I was 11 and I couldn't wait to shave. Then it became a chore. Now I wear a full beard, which I love, and it makes daily shaving pretty simple. But some jobs forbid these and force you to shave them off because they're period pieces when beards were not in style. They tell you this up front, and then you have to decide whether it's worth it to relapse to your baby face, do the job, and then spend three weeks growing it back. I'll get started after the break. Friday, March 12th, 2021, I did MacGyver on Wednesday this week for the first time in just over a year. It was complicated, to say the least. As I've mentioned, if you're going to do this for a living, you probably want the highest paying jobs with the least amount of complications. MacGyver was a little of both. To start with, they pay extremely well for COVID tests, $80 a test, which is a full day's pay. No one else I know does that. My friend Anna's told me about this. The way he sees it, if they're going to have you block off an entire day for testing, they should pay you for an entire day. Which they do. However, they tell you the day before the test that it all happens in a two-hour window in the morning, so you really don't need to block off your whole day. And the location is pretty close to where I live. Something called Mailing Avenue in Southeast Atlanta. I met a woman named Maria. She was sitting near me and holding on set, telling a woman named Natalie about the condo she was buying in a high-rise. I just had to know the details. So I asked. I felt a little weird about butting into this conversation and eventually stealing Maria away from her friend, but hey, I like to make new friends too. And we pretty much chatted on and off for the rest of the day. She and her husband have done flips in Grant Park. They live up in Kennesaw, near where I used to live, in a wonderful Hedgewood community called Ridenour. She's selling a condo in Old Worth Ward and buying a place on West Peachtree where Midtown meets downtown. It turns out she just redid her kitchen and painted the cabinets Sherwin-Williams Black Fox, which is the same color my island is. What are the chances of that happening? Crazy how synchronicity will bring people with common interests together. The funniest thing she told me was about this bizarre episode of young rock she was in. It's a new TV series about Dwayne Johnson’s childhood. We recall that I worked with him on Red Notice. The scene is in 2032 when he's running for president. And for some reason, they dressed her in weird clothing and she has a mad look on her face and the camera zooms through the crowd and lands right on her. And there's nothing she can do about it. People clearly see her and they tell her they saw her and she doesn't like how she looks at all. But that's where you lose control as an actor. You can only do so much before it's completely out of your hands. You're just a piece of meat and someone else decides what to do with you whether you like it or not. Welcome back to MacGyver, part two. So here's why it was so complex. We started by parking at St. Anne's Episcopal Church off Morris Mill Road, and then we took a bus ride about nine yards next door to Trinity Presbyterian Church, where the day really started. A bunch of sleepy-eyed people at 6 a.m. wandering around trying to figure out what's going on. And each crew person there knows only the scope of what they're doing with you, never where to send you next. We had temperature checks, then Wardrobe looked at us and gave the thumbs up or thumbs down. Then came the check-in. I was not on the list and had to dig for an email I got the night before to prove I was supposed to be there. You mean people actually sneak into these things? Then came the COVID tests. A total joke. You got a test, but no one gave your wristband to prove you got a test. Instead, PAs would randomly ask throughout the day, quote, did everyone here get tested today? Not yesterday. Today. Unquote. Oh, thanks for clarifying, because when you said today, I thought you might have meant yesterday's tomorrow. Oh wait, that is today. Then we went to hair and makeup. That involved a single woman just yelling at us, you're all okay, no need to come see me. Then we were told to go have breakfast at the white tent, where there was no seating, and the toilets had no lights and no water. So if you haven't figured this out, poop doesn't go anywhere. It just lands and sits there. So anyone leaving a deposit covers with toilet paper and quickly runs away before anyone can discover that they left feces there. Enough with the scatological story. I'm Greek by the way, and the Greek word for poop is skata. There's nothing quite like discovering a stranger's poop in a toilet you're about to use. Well, hello there! And then we got on another bus to take us to Se which was down Pace's Ferry Road to a house on Pine Stream Road. 3411 to be exact. I looked it up on HomeSnap. All the houses there were priced at just over a million dollars. It was this very Italianate stucco home buried by wild bamboo trees. The entire lawn of the neighboring house was our holding area. They had put up a sign that said, Keep off the grass! Yes, good luck with that. It wasn't a wide street and totally congested all day long. At lunchtime, we had to take another shuttle all the way back to church number two for lunch at the same white tent and then be shuttled back to set, and then at the end of the day be shuttled back to church 2 for checkout, and then walk to church 1 where my car was parked. Did I mention that a few hours into the day someone decided that anyone who had parked on the left side of the lot had to return and move their car? We had no idea what part of the lot they were referring to, so we all got on a shuttle to church 1 in case we had to actually move our cars. My car was fine, but I wanted to take a warm bus ride to nowhere because it was cold outside. Welcome back. This is MacGyver Part 3. Wardrobe was a trip. The scene is in a small town in Italy. So Tuesday night, they sent us one picture of a bunch of old Italians in very boring old people clothing. They look like true Italians, and I wondered how I was going to accomplish this. The email read as follows, This is a scene that takes place in Italy, all caps. Bring clothing as if you live in a rural Italian village and are going to a car show. And then in parentheses see photos for some reference i know these are mostly of our older folks but do the best you can to put together a younger version of these types of attire and parenthesis muted earthier colors and jewel tones no logos no bright colors or bold loud patterns mixture of casual attire and some casual jacket and slacks for our older men please wear your first choice and bring options in a suitcase or a garment bag unquote. so i threw together some jeans with a checked shirt and then a second look with dark gray chinos and a boring dark gray shirt guess what the jeans were okay but they made me wear the gray shirt With my blue gap jacket with white stripes down the arms and my brown leather blundstone chelsea boots, you won't be able to miss me. But hysterically, an hour later, we got another picture of a bunch of young people in brightly colored clothing and it totally negated the first email. I said screw it and didn't change what I was bringing. I have to admit... They did a damn good job picking these people. Most of them looked extremely Italian, if you know what I mean, as if we were in Italy or they'd just gotten off the boat. Except maybe my friend Maria, who is half Asian. I don't remember seeing any Asians when I was in Italy. There was even a group of five older men who were referred to as, quote, old Italian men, unquote, versus the car enthusiasts that we were. I thought they were just using this term generically until I saw these five men grouped together for a photo. When we took that bus ride to move our cars, I put my extra clothing in my trunk and returned to the bus and got on. I then noticed an older man with a bloodied forehead and thought, wow, hair and makeup did a really good job. That looks real. It was, real blood. He had tripped down the bus steps on his way off and landed head first, so this was a first for me. I saw an old man bloodied from a fall. And then later during the day, because you know how hot it gets in Italy, there was a kerfuffle near me and the medic ran over and everyone had to back off and give them some space. An older distinguished black gentleman had nearly passed out and was taken away. That's two casualties in the same day. This job was more dangerous than I thought. At the end of the driveway, the whole area was filled with pea gravel, and in it sat 10 to 15 very expensive vintage cars like Porsches, Fiats, and various other Italian brands. We were car enthusiasts for the day. I don't know whose house it was or why nearly the entire cast of MacGyver was there, but the Polizia eventually showed up for a showdown. Three cars eventually sped away down the very long driveway. Fortunately, none of us were in the... way because we were hiding behind other cars. When we heard the guns come out and the shouting began, we ran for our lives. One of the Fiats was green and had the word asparagus painted across its side. <laughs> MacGyver, part four. When I worked MacGyver last time, the three main characters were not there But today, both Lucas Till and Levy, maybe it's Levi, L-E-B-Y, Tan, were there. Last time it was only Henry Ian Cusick and the short woman. Sorry, I don't know her name. Boy, that Levy is really beautiful in real life and much taller than I expected. Okay, I admit I was checking out her cute butt after realizing that Lucas has no butt. Yes, I'm a gay man, but a butt is a butt, regardless of who it belongs to. Josiah Morgan, the camera guy from First Wives Club, was filming today which would seem to suggest that FWC is done filming season two. I can't wait to see all six episodes I was part of. The day ended at the wrong time after 11 hours, 6 a.m. to 5 p.m. My original call time was 5.36, but got moved 30 minutes. I ended up stuck in rush hour traffic, which was neither fun nor expected. When you've been holed up in COVID hell for a year, you don't expect to see any cars on the road. I guess it's a sign we're all getting back out into the world. There was absolutely no electricity on set, so I got this woman to find me some. I attempted to plug into a giant white generator, but the woman next to me said I'd need permission. I went to the background PA. He agreed, but he said the electrical people were all at base camp. This industry is flooded with red tape and bureaucracy, with everyone powerless to do anything unless they have explicit permission from the right person. It feels like kindergarten. Earlier, this woman had warned us to get out of the way because she had to move a car and was a bad driver. I got her to find me electricity. She brought me to a generator and then pulled a string on it as if she were starting a lawnmower. I plugged my charger in and baked in the sun. When it stalled out 30 minutes later, she brought me to the next driveway and repeated the process. Because I wasn't properly hydrating, I got too much sun. When I got home, I got a headache and had to take a bath to fall asleep. I skipped my ab exercises and took the bath at 9 p.m. You just don't realize how much these days take out of you. Here I am two days later still recovering. If you have to get up an hour earlier than usual, drive to some faraway place, and spend 11 hours outside in the sun, your body will respond to that in some unfavorable way. Don't say I didn't warn you. Oh, before I forget, remember that story about First Wives Club accidentally recording 17 hours of work? I thought I was getting $275 for four hours of work when I actually wasn't even used in any of the scenes. Someone corrected the error. Oh well, I'm still trying to get my COVID test pay for one I took on January 8th, over two months ago. If you haven't heard about Anchor, It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A N C H O R.fm. Let me talk a bit now about kids on the set because I haven't discussed this before and now is as good a time as any. There were four of them on MacGyver this week. When I got tested on Monday, I noticed a dad with his cute little daughter, probably eight or nine. I don't have kids of my own, but I plan to someday. I've been saying that for 25 years now. They're going to cost me probably $150,000 each because they have to be made in a test tube. But if that's what it takes to be a dad, it's what I'm going to do. It's the final frontier for me. And if I end up being a retired guy with kids young enough to be my grandkids, then I guess that's how it will all go down. Back to the subject. These children were forming a square by the house with a fake mom watching over them. They were kicking a soccer ball around and Lucas, the main actor, was standing among them. At one point after they call action, one of them kicks the ball to him, and then I don't know what happens because I'm walking towards the driveway all the way down through the bamboo until I get to the street, at which point I am so far offset, I can't hear anyone yell cut. On our first rehearsal, the guy I was walking with and I assumed they had yelled cut, so we turned around and walked back to our marks. Then someone yelled cut, oops! Toussaint, the PA, then instructed us to do something different in this final cross, and we had to explain to him that we had messed up and weren't actually supposed to end up here. We start here and walk the other way. I called someone aside in the driveway and complained about not being able to hear anyone yell cut, and they took care of it immediately. Once again, take control. Be in charge when no one else is. I love these opportunities to lead, which is something I used to get paid big bucks to do. Now I do it just for fun. Underground Railroad was a different story. There must have been 25 to 30 children there. Here's what was insane. They handed out the kids and then expected the background parents to babysit them for hours at a time. And when the kids didn't do what was expected, the background parents were called out for not controlling them. WTF? They're not our kids. It's not our job. And you're not paying anyone a kid bump. If you don't know how to manage background children, then don't hire them. I personally didn't have any kids that day, but it would have been fun. I'm always amazed at the conversations you can have with these little soon-to-be adults. By the way, I watched the Oprah interview with Megan and Harry last night. It was adorable that their little Archie, who isn't even two, says, drive safe when they leave. Finally, Red Notice also had kids. The most famous was a little boy we called the Coke Kid. His real name was Jake. He does something with a can of Coke, but I can't say anything more about it. The scuttlebutt was that his mother was out partying one night until 2 a.m. in her own rendition of Mom's Gone Wild everyone was talking about it the next day, but we had trouble identifying which mom she was. Yes, all of us background were judging this woman for not staying home and watching little Jake. I mean, who does this? Did she not go to college, miss out on the social life, and long to live vicariously through her son's background jobs? Lady, if you're listening, I'm not sure what to say. But just think about your responsibilities as a parent and what could have gone terribly wrong here. There was also a little precocious Asian girl who talked nonstop. I was standing behind her, and she was immensely more fascinating than the coke kid. Sometimes I forget to mention something and have to come back and add it in, or I learned something new that relates to content, and I just have to tell you what I found out. So I did figure out how to pronounce Levy Tan's name. I Googled how to pronounce L-E-V-Y space T-A-N, and it brought up her Instagram, where I found a cute video of her mom and her, with her mom repeating, "I love you, Levy Tan." She is Vietnamese. Lovey posted this in response to questions about how to pronounce her name. See, I'm not the only one who didn't know how. And you can find the answer to everything on the internet. How did we live without it? While there, I discovered the names of the other two key actresses on the show. Meredith Eden is the very short woman who was there the second time I filmed, but not the first. And Tristan Mays is the woman who was there the first time I filmed, but not the second time. Neither of them were there this week, which was the third time I filmed MacGyver. I know I mentioned this in a prior episode, but I'll repeat it here because it's a MacGyver story. Central Casting had contacted me to see if I was available to be the prime minister of Bosnia, I think. And it was a director pick, but the director didn't pick me. And then a few days later, they reached out to see if I wanted to attend this wedding as someone else, but I couldn't go due to a conflict. I later found out that I have friends who ended up at that episode. Weddings are always fun, I think, until you try to film one. There's a scene in Red Notice we did that got very complicated for a few reasons. They had to bring in 200 guests who were not sequestered the way we had been and then ensure that we didn't get anywhere near them for fear of COVID contamination. And then they hired men to carry this giant box thing and didn't give them enough training and it had to be perfect and they were forced to learn on the spot. I was a bartender that night and let me tell you, the only thing harder than fake eating food is faking mixing cocktails. I had limited supplies, could not touch any of the bottles behind me, and had to pretend to mix drinks in a shaker and serve them without making any noise. And then because it was cold, I became the de facto coat holder between takes because I could hide them behind the bar. Someone told me that they were trying to get Tom Cruise to do a cameo in this movie, and that if they do, he may somehow end up in this scene. If he does, and it looks like I'm actually serving him, that would be really cool. But totally fake, of course. ¶¶ I'm calling this segment my first time on The First Lady. It's a new TV show on Showtime, I think. Perhaps this should have gone into the first episode I did on First Wives Club, but that was weeks ago when I had no idea I'd be doing another quote first unquote TV show for the very first time. Like a virgin. I applied with Catrette Lot for a waiter position and forgot all about it until Patrick actually called me later that day, and I was so surprised that I didn't know what he was talking about. Because he was actually talking about a different role that tested only once, fitted once, and filmed once. The one I applied for had two test dates. Anyway, I vol- drove all the way up to Covington on Wednesday for the test. That is a hike, but not too much further than Conyers, on Route 20 East. The pay is almost insane. I know I said earlier that I knew MacGyver paid a lot for COVID tests, but this show pays just as much. per test day, plus $84 for fittings, and $168 for 12 hours of work. First of all, the daily rate is twice what most projects pay. Second, the testing and fitting rates are 50% of the filming rate. Most show pay only 25%. My friend Holly has worked on this before and said it was a nice set. And the people were great, so hopefully my experience turns out just as well. She's actually doing the full four days I applied for, but I film on Friday while she films on Saturday. You never ever know when you're going to run into friends on these things. She wasn't actually my work wife when I met her, but we somehow met and hit it off on Underground Railroad and then spent two days on DMZ a year ago. So Wardrobe said to bring anything we have from the 60s or 70s. I have this nasty tan polyester leisure suit I bought at a thrift store for Halloween a few years ago. I had one as a kid. Actually, I had three. One was tan, one was rust, and one was a medium blue corduroy. It's kind of huge on me. I mean, the jacket must be a 40 or 42. I wear a 38 regular, and the pants I swim in. I have to hike them up to my chest and belt them so that all the extra fabric gets bunched and then I just pull it around to the back so no one sees it. I'm sure they won't be able to use it, And will put me into something just as groovy. The fitting's at eleven thirty tomorrow, Thursday, just after my first shot of the COVID vaccine. I am so excited. After a year of this, thanks, Moneybags Joe, for hitting the ground running and meeting your first one hundred day goal early. I hear we are now kicking Europe's ass in terms of vaccinating people. What a comeback! Speaking of which, I'll be back after tomorrow to let you know how that went, and then this weekend after we filmed on Friday. Oh, this has been quite a week. Not only did I score with the first lady, but a different Patrick from another casting company texted me today with this. Hi, this is Patrick with Extras Casting Atlanta. I'm going through some old submissions and looking for someone around your size that has a beard to be a photo double on Friday in Midtown. Let me if you're still around and might be interested. Thanks, his mistake, not mine. I wanted to get more details about it as if I were going to compare it to my Friday gig and possibly take it if it's better, but that's a slippery slope I've been down before and instead just told them I wasn't available. No response. And Games People Play also just emailed me today about this Friday. Sorry, I am in demand and taken that day as well. This is part two of the First Lady portion of the episode, which I'm recording just after my filming on Friday, March 19th, 2021. It was a short and great day. In at 7.30, done at five. Base camp was on Ivan Allen Jr. Boulevard next to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium. The original call time was 5.30 a.m., but got pushed two hours. I was there at 7.05. I have never been 25 minutes early. I should have listened to Waze. There was no one there. The order of operations got a bit jacked up. I think I went to wardrobe first, then ate, then went for a temperature check, then went to hair, then got COVID tested, and then went to makeup. I'm really not sure what the point of a rapid COVID test is if you don't do it first thing and quarantine yourself while waiting for the results. I mean, running around base camp for an hour, you can easily spread it to other people based on the illogical order of operations this morning. Our PAs were Sam, Desmond, and Lance. They were all very nice people. Everyone was very professional on this set, and we were treated very well, which isn't always the case. I met several new people and saw some familiar faces. On the new list... Teresa Daniel, whose maiden name is Basilico. She kept telling us stories about how her family name originated from a pasta sauce. She ended up playing my wife, although she appears to be about 30 years older than me. Bruce, whom I had worked with on Queen of Soul, but had never met. Chris, Jackie, and Taylor. Meredith from Red Notice was there, standing in for the actress Judy Greer, And Miranda, my favorite crafty person from Red Notice, was also there. We filmed at the Capitol Club, which has been on the corner of John Portman Boulevard and Peachtree Street in downtown Atlanta since 1883. It has tons of rooms and character, and they're all lost in time circa 1975. These people were perfectionists. There was a guy with a tiny level that he put on the lamp next to us just to make sure it was level. And then this woman was on a ladder in the corner and as she climbed down and put her feet on the ground, she fell over and pulled the ladder down on top of her. It was a close call. No one quite knew what or how that had happened. Here's the scene I was in for most of the day. I was buying two books in the bookstore at the White House. Bruce was the bookstore manager. He was to hand me the books in a bag and then give me my change, three $1 bills. There was a PA named Alex and she was very good at instructing us on what to do and when to move. My initial line was when Betty Ford said something about a PTA meeting she had met Judy at. By the time she said that line, I had to be out of there. After a few rehearsals, someone decided I needed a wife. They gave me Teresa. The bag was noisy, and we eventually started with the books already in it. Our book sale transaction was happening way too quickly, and we had time to kill, so my wife and I pantomimed with Bruce to fill the time. We needed directions to the Lincoln Memorial. But then the director scrapped all the chit-chat, and Bruce handing me my change. Our on stuff was taking way too long. Instead, we were to take the bag of books and get out of their stat which we did. And after the first few takes, they decided it was too complicated to walk across the bookstore, so we exited in a different direction. This is how scenes evolve. You try things out and see what works, and what doesn't. The only real part of the dialogue I caught was that poor Betty Ford was late to her first meeting, and then after finding the bookstore, couldn't find her way back to her office. Judy helped her find it. Welcome back to The First Lady, part three. At one point, Michelle Pfeiffer was behind me and I was listening to her tell a story about how she broke her wrist in the bathtub at a hotel, celebrating an anniversary with her husband, I guess. Then she fainted from the pain. Then something poked her eye and made a bloody mess. Then she woke up in the middle of the night, reached for a glass carafe of water and knocked it onto the floor, smashing it into pieces. After five minutes of this chit-chat with Judy and the director, they suddenly stopped and asked themselves, are we waiting for them or are they waiting for us? She was referring to the crew. Yes, the crew is waiting for them to shut the hell up. Funny how that works, this was ironic because during the 80s safety meeting that morning, he gave this long speech about not talking on set between takes, especially when the actors were there. But apparently, they could talk all they wanted. And that's fine. I mean, who's going to talk to their neighbor when they could instead be listening to Michelle Pfeiffer tell personal stories? Not me. That's one way to keep us all quiet. Have Michelle tell fascinating stories between takes. This is the first time I've done a period piece that covered a time frame when I was actually alive. I turned 11 in 1974 and was in fifth grade. Wardrobe was strange, She completely ignored the polyester leisure suit I had brought as if it were just a piece of trash I was carrying around. She had me try on pink pants and then red polyester pants, but both were too large. They were supposed to be snug. She refused to go near my crotch and instead had me hold the tape measure between my legs to get my inseam, which was 29 or 30. We landed on poop brown polyester pants hiked up to my neighbor and strapped in with an ugly-as-hell belt tightened to the last hole paired with a dark brown short-sleeved paisley shirt and nasty ugly brown leather shoes the outfit was similar to what i wore as a child in fact i dug up a photo of me from 1974 and used Pick stitch to put two photos side by side that one and one i took on set i stressed all night the day before because the role description posted said nothing about facial hair. If they don't want facial hair, they tell you this right up front so you don't apply if you're not willing to shave. On Thursday, I drove all the way to Covington again for wardrobe, hair, and makeup. They trimmed my neck and handed me the sheet of paper with pictures that said the following, quote, facial hair on men varied in the 70s by type. Please refer to the type you're being cast as. Secret service, political staffers, and conservative, come clean-shaven or with a mustache only, no beards or goatees. Hippie types and young counterculture, facial hair is okay, but be willing and prepared to shave it." Unquote. And among the photos was John Travolta with no facial hair and Tom Selleck with a big mustache. This left me wondering which camp I was in, given that I was part of a White House tour group. Was I a hippie? or conservative. I mean, I could have been either. I decided the night before that I was going to refuse to shave based on the principle of it and lack of communication when casting for the role. Then the morning of, I decided not to waste the time and energy getting angry. Rachel, my makeup woman, loved my beard and just colored it darker with some alcohol-based face paint that I can't buy myself at CVS or even a normal beauty supply store. I know because I asked. This would be easier than me dyeing the beard every two weeks. The cover, color of it was all Jack today, which was why she had to do what she did. I met this woman named Jackie in line as we were being checked out. I think she's Australian based on her accent. She had a very nice bowl cut, which she told me prevented her from getting hired on red notice because I wanted women with long hair. Anyway, when I told her how much they had paid us, she flipped out. The closest she could come to that was $5,000 for 17 days' work on a show called Black Mafia Family. She has a 1980s Toyota they love, and it's period-specific, so they keep calling her back to do the show. I've never heard of this show, but these days, they're being cranked out so quickly by so many people, you just cannot keep up. I miss the 1970s, when all we had was ABC, NBC, and CBS, which reminds me of a gum joke we used to tell about the state of gum. Already been chewed, never been chewed, and could have been swallowed. RRR. When we were done, I was the first one on the bus and the first one off. We had to wait a bit when we got back to base camp, but it was nice to know that I was done early enough to pick up Sugar, whom I boarded last night. I have friends working on this show next week and just apply to do it again. I honestly hope I get picked because it was a lot of money for something easy and very close to home. Here's a recap of this episode's main messages. First, things can be really logistically complicated on a given job, but you can't use that to make your decision on whether to accept in advance because you won't know until you get there. Past experience and word of mouth is probably the best indicator of what you can expect. I always fish around for information from friends to see if anyone has worked on a project that I'm considering. For me, simpler is better. Second, you'll meet lots of people in this industry and connect with many of them. It's an interesting dynamic. I think people are more open to talking to strangers because there's absolutely no commitment. You can say and be whomever you want because you may never see them again. Even if you connect really well with someone, don't expect them to be your friend outside of the set. I'm MacGyver, I gave Maria my business card but I don't think she's explored any of my social media sites and that's okay. It doesn't mean she doesn't like me, it probably just means she has enough friends in the real world, although she'd be happy to chat more if we end up together on another set. Finally, if you're a guy and don't want to shave your lovely beard off, you don't have to. Just know that most projects will tell you upfront if this is a requirement. You and only you get to decide what you're willing to do to yourself to get work. If you do decide to shave, it will grow back. And one more thing, that COVID test I got on January 8th over two months ago that I've been trying to get paid for finally came through this week. All I can do is repeat Kramer's famous line from Seinfeld, which happens to be the code name for the project, Serenity Now! That's all for this episode. Tune in again for more of The Background Scoop, where I discuss background acting here in Atlanta. Hope you're learning and getting some BG rules of your own. Feel free to reach out with your questions, which I'll try to answer in a future episode, or tell me a story about your own experience, and I may choose to interview you. See the episode notes for how to reach out. And if you like what you've heard, please rate the podcast. Thanks for listening.